Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing today? Good, Bruce. How are you doing? Oh, well enough. Well enough for a hot week. Somehow survived the week. Did all my walking in the morning this week to avoid the searing mid to high 30s temperatures in the late afternoon and the evening hours. And made it this nice far. Day. <laughs> nice day yesterday. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pleasant enough. Beautiful actually, day today. today. Alrighty, we're talking today about something that the oilogosphere, that used to be called, not so much anymore, you don't hear that word anymore, uh, is uh, Euler fans on the internet are talking about at length the proposed deal for Duncan Keith, something that no one had been thinking about until two days ago. Elliot Friedman spread the rumor that Keith may be looking for a move to Western Canada. Elliot Friedman fleshed that out. Essentially, the story is for personal reasons, Keith wants a trade to um, uh, a city with, which is a one pl- quick plane ride away from Penticton where he ha- his uh, ex-wife and child live. He wants better access to that um, than he had in Chicago. And so he's looking for a trade to Western Canada. We've since heard that probably Vancouver and Calgary are out um, mm-hmm. as possible destinations, that Winnipeg isn't likely either. Uh, I don't know, maybe there's not the flights from Winnipeg to Penticton, probably isn't a direct flight, but that Edmonton and Seattle are still in the mix. So Friedman and Bob Stoffer were talking about this deal on Bob's show on Oilers Now on Friday. They had a lengthy discussion and Friedman spelled out the parameters for both teams. The, the Oilers feel they're in an advantageous salary cap position right now and they don't want to lose that in this trade, which means essentially they don't want to take on the full cost of Duncan Keith's $5.5 million contract, which has two years running. He's 38 years old. When you look at the buyout cal- calculator um, from for Chicago, uh, it's a, it seems to be one of these really poison pill contracts to buy out. It's almost like very little relief from buying Keith right. out. Chicago, on the other hand, has that same goal of not wanting to use up, not wanting to take on salary because they, they're looking at bringing in Seth Jones. And and they they seem to think the suggestion is there's whispers according to Friedman that they're looking at Caleb Jones because if they get Caleb Jones then maybe Seth Jones would want to go to Chicago more mm-hmm. and um, to the extent that Seth Jones calls the shot on his own trade I don't know to what extent that is but he does I think because it makes sense because he he has one year left on his deal if he's going to go to a city. Columbus maximizes its value if Seth Jones agrees to sign a contract in that new city. In theory, he's more likely to do that if his brother Caleb is there. So, um, the, no, there's that that makes a bit of sense. There's also the fact that the Oilers are likely to lose either Caleb Jones or or William Logason in the expansion draft to Seattle. So, they're free to move either of them. There, you know, they, that would mean though that they would lose both of them rather than just being down one kind of somewhat. Your mileage varies. Promising defensemen on the left side, they would lose both most likely this offseason and get Duncan Keith back in return. Of course, others are well stocked on the left side with prospects, so that doesn't alarm some people, but it, it really alarms others who place a high value in Caleb Jones. Yeah. So all of these things are going on at once. But the big question is, um, what is Keith's Duncan Keith's value right now as a hockey player? And the the other question is, 
based on that, what are you? What should the Oilers be looking to to do in this deal in terms of making Chicago trade for a take on a bad contract in return to the extent that Keith has negative value or retain salary? So those are the those are the big the big issues. And I'm going to start out by saying, Bruce, that I my stance on all of these trades is that unless I've seen a player closely, unless I've watched him play 20, 30 games really closely, I am like I'm aware there can be red flags based on statistics and and based on what people are saying. But I that's as far as I'll go. I'm not going to I'm very careful about trying to determine a player's value based on limited viewings or on stats, publicly available stats, which I don't feel are the kind of detailed analytics you really need to really properly assess a player. And and I would hope that the Oilers have both things that I'm lacking in assessing Duncan Keith. Any, any NHL team that's doing its job has both up to the minute a, a scout or scouts who watched every minute of Duncan Keith's play and is now going over that videotape again right now mm-hmm. and uh, assessing Keith's play based on what they're seeing, taking careful notes. And then they're comparing what they see in Keith's play to detailed uh, analytics that hone in on the individual tendencies of that player. You know, how many grade A scoring chances does he help create? How many, how many did he, how many did he give up last year? What are he, what, what is he like when it comes to zone accents? What is he like when it comes to puck retrievals? What is it like when it comes to zone entries? Mm-hmm. So my position on the Oilers is, and I can't answer this, if they aren't going on up-to-date scouting information, if they're just going to some past vision of Duncan Keith dancing in someone's head from five years ago, that is a colossal mistake if they do that. And I only raise that because I fear that that mistake was made with Kyle Turris. So I think that's a fair thing to raise in terms of the Edmonton Oilers right now. The other thing, the analytics side, I also have doubts with the Oilers. If they're going on on ice, publicly available on ice statistics, which a lot of fans are on the internet, that's to me, that's a terrible mistake. Like you're, you're making a big mistake doing that. You need to have a strong analytics department that's boring into the individual acts of hockey players or subscribe to one. And again, I don't know if the Oilers do either. So I'm filled with doubt about the Edmonton Oilers process. And also, I'm in, in face of the certainty that I see on the internet about Duncan Keith's value, I don't know how anyone can have that certainty unless they have that information themselves. And I don't think many people have that information who are weighing in with certainty about Duncan Keith right now. So I'm going to try to not weigh in with certainty myself, even though I do have an, a, somewhat of an opinion that's probably not very useful about his, his value. So all that said, what is your opinion on this whole matter, Bruce? Well, I mean, Duncan Keith, he signed a 13-year contract with Chicago back in 2010 after he'd been one of the key players, one of the core players to lead them to their first Stanley Cup title that, uh, that spring. He signed a 10-year, or sorry, 13-year, $72 million pact uh, with a no-movement no clause, heavily front-loaded, so they, they don't owe him that much money. That's why the buyout terms are, are poor, because he's only got uh, $2.1 and $1.5 million left coming to him for his last two years at 5.5, the heck is that number? 5538462 million million. 
which of course this cap hits spread out throughout. So this is literally the tail of the 13-year contract. Remember, there's a lot of talk about the tails of these long, long contracts that uh, that various people were getting. And so he's probably more of the value of the base salary, 2.1 this year, 1.5 next year, than he's anywhere close to being a $5.5 million dependent. I mean, that's the same money that Darnell Nurse is making right now. Who would you rather have? be paying 5.6 million to i mean obviously they would have both but does he uh, it just doesn't make sense that that money and and uh what's your best guess bruce what would he make like if he was a free agent right now let's say the chicago blackhawks mm-hmm. had to buy like decide to buy him out for some reason and he was a ufa what you know based on everything that you're hearing and assessing and and what do you think would be the range give me like within a five hundred thousand dollars on a one-year deal what do you think, or no, let's, because he is signed for two years, yeah. two-year deal. What do you think he would get on a two-year deal at this age right now? If, and and, it, and he was, <laughs> the, 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 the complicating factor is that he's only willing to go to a couple cities. Right. So that greatly limits his value. But let's say it was, right. let's just say he was willing to go to any city and the, the highest bidder would get him. What do you think he would get on a two-year uh, deal? I think he'd probably get less than $3.6 million, which is what the amount that's left owing to him on the two years. But he's still got that huge heavy cap hit that's got to be taken out. Like he's he's only three point six million a year or two point one this year, one point five next year. So whoever is acquiring him is going to save a a ton of real money against the cap because they're going to have an eleven million dollars worth of cap and only three and change worth of actual pay for the guy. So I mean that's not Daryl Cates's usual style. Usually he goes the other way where he eats extra uh, uh, salary. So they're getting you know the very the 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 tail of the serpent really i mean this this is uh a player who's lost uh a lot of his uh, uh a lot of his edge over the years i mean a fantastic player don't get me wrong he's had a great career i think he's likely going to go into the hockey hall of fame when he's done um oh, but sure. he's turning 38 years old and i'm just looking at the page now on puck iq showing his uh performance against uh um uh, uh, in the over the last seven years, uh, against how much time does he play against the elite opponents of the other team, and uh, what percentage of the danger shots are taken when he's on the ice? So, granted, this is on ice, and he's one of five. And but uh, last year, 2021, was by far his worst results for uh, danger shot attempts, and by far the weakest opposition that he's uh, that he's played. Both things, like it's at the at the lower left of this chart that I'm looking at, and it's it's not the place you want to be. It's a sign of decline uh, in in a player, quite frankly, when you when you see him uh, falling off the lower left of the of this particular graph. What do you think he would get then on a contract like free market? I think I think his name would bring in some. I think he'd get a million and a half, maybe. I mean. He's, you know, he's still got, he's got some good experience. He's got some, uh, uh, he's got some items working in his favor, but uh, that that uh, cap hit is definitely not one of those things. I mean, he's up where Andrew Secker's cap was, for instance, right? I mean. Okay. So going on that, Bruce, if he's, let's say he's a million and a half, let's say he gets as high as two million. Let's say mm-hmm. it gets, for some reason, for two over two years, because Mm-hmm. Let's just say he would still be if the if the Chicago was to retain half of his salary, yep. that would be uh, 
2.75 or whatever, 2.8. Yeah. Two, that's okay. 2.8 million. Okay. Uh, that's still not, he, he'd still be overpaid then based and I, and I think that 1.5 to 2 million, 2 million over a two year deal. I think he could probably get that. I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, Kyle Turris, <laughs> Kyle Turris got a 1.65 million and it, cause, and Duncan Keith, when you, when I, I've been reading what people in Chicago said about him this season before this all came up so that it's not clouded by anything. They were all right. expecting him back. They had all watched a full year of him. They had seen him play every game that this year, which is hardly anyone commenting right now in Edmonton Oilers country on Duncan Keith saw him play even a handful of games last I year. I sure didn't. Exactly. Who, who this, did? This so, is a player I know well, David. I had him in my keeper league for many years, and I tracked him closely. But uh, last year, I did not see much of any of the American teams, frankly, let alone Chicago Blackhawks, who are a pretty run-of-the-mill, rarely televised team. And what we know about players of Dunk, uh, of that age is their performance can fall off fast. Yep. So um, doesn't all, and I'm not saying that happened to Duncan Keith. Again, my position is I'm uncertain on these things. Uh, what, what, so anyway, he... he I can't remember the point I was going to make now. Um, where, where was I going with this? It'll come to mind in a second. Bruce, what I would say about is the, the one statistic that does bother me a little bit is this. Um, Duncan Keith ha has been a point producer throughout his NHL career. And I actually think that points mm -hmm. are a pretty good proxy for offensive production, even like for defensemen. The defensemen right. who tend to be good puck movers, solid puck movers, tend to put up the most points. And I don't think there's, in any hockey camp, like any group of hockey fans, there's wide disagreement about that. There is an acknowledgement that in, in a single season, you can be misled by point production, that, that, that there could be some bad puck luck or good puck luck with a particular player. So with Duncan Keith, I'm going to go over two years and look at his performance over two years. Right. Uh, in terms of point production at even strength. So when we do that, Bruce, uh, what we see out of 255 regular NHL demon uh, who played uh, 200 even strength minutes per season, he ranks out of 255, he ranks 171st for even strength mm -hmm. point scoring the last two years. 0 0.69 points per 60. Um, Slater Kukuk, by the same stat. So Keith is at 171st. Cuckoo's at 138th. Chris Russell, <laughs> Chris Russell, Chris Russell, he is at 150th. He is 21 points higher than is Duncan Keith. He so Keith, Keith is below the crusty line. Eh? It's like the Mendoza, the crusty Mendoza line. Let, line. <laughs> let that sink in. Let that sink in. So Bruce, that's over two years. Mm -hmm. And I think if you go over two years, and this is, so when you go over two years, that's actually in Keith's favor because it, let's say he had bad puck luck this year. Well, over two years, it's it's a little less likely, but it's still not very good over two years, Bruce. And mm. it's still really low. So what we see right now is a, is a D-man who produces points at a kind of a third level pairing over the last two years. So to me, that's, a, I'm going to, I'm going to take that as a, it's not definitive. It doesn't define the player, but it says to me, yikes, he's not, he's, a, he's probably right now a third pairing, maybe second pairing level defenseman if you stretch it in terms of his puck moving. And, I, and I, as for his defensive play, I'm not, I'm not going to venture at all. 
to say anything about his defensive play. But that that he was known as a puck mover. He's known as a skater. Oh sure. Uh, and for that to decline like that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say his real value. I I like your 1.5 because he's mm-hmm. an experienced player. So yeah. in terms of ranking him, he has played tough competition, which really hammers player stats. He's but been not playing last year. He didn't not, not as much last measure. year. Okay. So he he generally has in the last I think the year before he did. Anyway, he might do better if he was playing softer competition. I mm-hmm. guess is my point. So right. I, I'm gonna place his value at between 1.5, $2 million. So to me, if Chicago's saying, and this is where Stoffer and Friedman are, um, they are, uh, there's some disagreement. Bob was coming out really strong that no, no, the Oilers are not going to be able to move James Neal's contract for James Neal and his contract for Duncan Keith. That's not on the table. It's going to be something more like Kyle Turris. Uh, they can move that contract, which is a very little value to the Oilers. They say if they move grand. Kyle, yeah, the difference between sending Kyle Torres to the minors and keeping him is 500 grand on the cap. It's very small yep. amount. It doesn't make up for Duncan Keith earning nothing close. five and a half and it's for one year. Close. It's nothing yeah. close. So if that's the idea, that's a, just a terrible idea. They've mm-hmm. got to get Chicago to retain half of Keith's salary or something close. And maybe then, like if they were to take on, let's say, Miko Koskinen and retaining half, 40%. You're getting closer. I mean, obviously, trading James Neal for Duncan Keith straight up, that's a good mm-hmm. trade for the Oilers. That's something oh, that sure. they should I, I do that in a minute. In Chicago, if it's all about the cap, I mean, they'll they'll complain about it, but at least the key, the Neal contract, they can buy out and, and have real cap savings as opposed to the Keith contract, which is, as you say, a poison pill. Uh, it's the whole advantage that the Oilers... Uh, got in obtaining Neil was that they got rid of another one of these, uh, uh, you know, unbuyoutable contracts, which Keith basically appears to be, that Chicago, instead of having to, you know, buy now Keith isn't an option, so they're either stuck with five and a half million on their books for two years, or they could trade him for, for Neil and buy Neil out, and now they're on for 1.9 million for four years, but you know they're making big savings on the cap. I don't think Chicago would do that. Like I don't think there's enough in it for them. I was just saying, strictly from a financial perspective, they would come on ahead uh, unless they had serious plans for Duncan Keith, which it doesn't sound like they do. We we don't know really how how much Chicago needs to trade this player, right? Um, and, yeah. You know how much sway does a play like a like Duncan Keith? He's a talisman in Chicago. Yeah. He's, you know, he, he's, he's a, you know, a sporting god there in Chicago. So when, if he wants out, mm-hmm. do they have to do that? And, and I think they might, right? I think if, if he was unhappy and not wanting to be there, that could be a big problem for the Chicago franchise. Sure. Um, so if he really was. So I just think Seattle may have more impetus for taking him, honestly. Um, they have more ability in terms of the cap to do it than the Oilers do. And they maybe they that veteran leadership would really appeal to them as well. Now, what we hear from Seattle is they, their main thing this year is to maintain cap flexibility, though. Mm-hmm. They're not interested in taking on a lot of bad contracts without getting major league paid for it. Right. So, you know, in Chicago, one of the fans was suggesting this is someone who'd seen Duncan Keith all year long, right? So he... Right. he he has some knowledge of Duncan Keith that we lack. And he was re- suggesting 
that a fair return for Keith would be from the owners would they'd have to Edmonton would have to give up a second round pick in 2022 and a and a fourth round pick in 2021. Now that could be like a hometown fan dreaming uh, of a unrealistic return, but it, like Bob Stoffer mentioned that Chicago was looking for picks and prospects for Duncan Keith. I just think that is so far beyond the it's realm ridiculous. of his of his contracts. His contract yeah. is a liability. So to think that you're supposed to trade off this this boat anchor of a contract with two years of big cap on it for for a declining elderly statesman of the game, and somehow get a bunch of assets back for that is nuts. Like, so what is your if, argument? If the orders do that, I am going to be seriously choked. What is your argument that he's a boat anchor, Bruce? Like what is your strongest? Well, the contract argument is a boat that? anchor. That, that, that term for me is about the so, contract. What is your anchor in terms of because if he was still a really good player? So what's your argument yeah. in terms of performance? What well, what are the things that make you convince you most of all that he's way below the five million? Because for me, it's his point production that really is the mm -hmm. red flag for me. What is it for you? Right. Well, the point production is part of it, but uh, but that um, uh, those um, uh, the possession numbers, the dangerous uh, Fenwick that I cited earlier, dangerous shot percentage, uh, and the. Uh, percentage of time playing against elite competition like he moved down uh, a class in terms of who he was playing against and still he bled shots uh, and goals against like he was a big minus player last year which he isn't normally there's just too many warning signs and when you and I are comparing him to Chris Russell and for years uh, I mean we're among his bigger defenders in these parts for years we're saying damn it that Chris Russell contract four million bucks for that guy and we're paying him for you know and they finally whittle him down to a million and a quarter and then turn around and bring on Duncan Keith and pay him five and a half how are you even coming out ahead like how is that using the cap space that they're finally getting in part because of you know marking down people like uh, Chris Russell to to more appropriate levels, why turn around and then spend it on that? I mean, there would have to be very significant cap retention. And I'd like to think any sweeteners in the trade uh, would become an Edmonton's way as opposed to Edmonton giving up picks and prospects for, I mean, if Ken Holland falls for, <clears throat> falls for that, I'll be very disappointed. Yeah, I agree. Player that age, that kind of drop in point production, that should be, to, to me, like, that's a strong red, that's a big red flag. I'm going to mm -hmm. make just, and I, I'm not going to say I believe this argument. Let's just pretend right. that the Oilers okay. traded for him and it worked mm -hmm. out. Yep. Why did it work out? So what what we could say is, well, he's still be he's still been used, his usage is still as a top pairing defenseman. He had the most minutes of any Chicago player in key situations last year. Most time on ice shorthanded, most time on ice for a defenseman, most time on ice used in overtime. Most time on ice used on the power play. He was a weak power play point producer. Wow. Uh, but his coach at least believed of all the players, defensemen he had, which probably isn't saying a lot in Chicago right now, that Duncan Keith was still the best option to go in all these situations. I mean, he, we have seen other top defensemen hang on for a long time, especially if their skating is strong. You know, Chris Chelios is a, is a sometimes uses a comparable here. And here, here's what I would say about, like, if you're basing it a lot on the on-ice numbers. I mean, I remember, I'm old enough to remember when Slater Kukuk and Kulikov, uh, Dmitry Kulikov came to town, and the analytics community here was really excited about both these players because of their on-ice mm -hmm. numbers. I don't think they have that same excitement, having seen these players. Yeah, no, I, that, I, same, I, that same excitement isn't there. So I'm going to say, maybe they should think about the predictive value of those on-ice numbers. If Kulikov and Kukuk didn't perform as they thought when they got to Edmonton, 
maybe take a step back and think maybe this isn't definitive and maybe I shouldn't be certain that this is going to tell me how Duncan Keith's going to perform because it's certain that I actually was skeptical of Cuckoo and I, I was pleasantly surprised. I would prefer that they just stick with Slater Cuckoo probably over Duncan Keith. I think he's probably a better player at this point. Certainly. Cheaper. Uh, he's a lot, well, especially based on salary. Uh, Kulikov, I've seen enough. Like I saw, I just didn't see a player that I, at least Cuckoo is not being mentioned as in the top four. And I don't think Kulikov is a top four uh, right. defenseman in the NHL. So I want, I'd like to see them move on. So I don't, but I just, my point is on ice numbers, I just find it's experiences like this where I see such excitement about players like Cuckoo and Kulikov and then they, they are what they are. And so here there's this huge, ah, he's going to be terrible. Maybe he won't be. Like, I'm not sure that that, that you're telling me that. And and I, I I would need, personally, if I was making that decision, I just would need a ton more information mm-hmm. than those numbers. I, I would need real. And so do the Oilers have that, Bruce? What mm-hmm. do you, like, I, I, I'm skeptical of it. What, what about you? What's your, what's your, uh, well, I'm skeptical based on the, on their past record of, uh, you know, recent performance, the guys that they brought in, you know, from the, from the pro ranks and, uh, uh, how quickly they fell off a cliff. Uh, I mean, Kyle Turris being the obvious example, but I mean, James Neal, David, he never turned it around really in Edmonton for more than, a, you know, a few weeks at the start of his first season here. And you can go back to, you know, uh, back over the, over the years. And so here you're, you're saying what would be, uh, let's say they made the trade and it worked out, what would be the reason? Well, here's my reason. They brought in uh, Duncan Keith and they welded him to the left side of Evan Bouchard. And they said, okay, you two, you're going to be a pairing all year. You're going to be our 2A or 2B pairing along with the Adam Larson pairing and we're going to run with Darnell Nurse in number one and then we're going to go with the 2A and 2B and you guys are going to play a lot but in the you know we're going to pick your spots for you and Duncan you're going to teach uh old man Bouchard here everything you know about uh uh winning Stanley Cups while playing defense and uh Evan you're going to listen and learn (laughs) and uh it's going to you know a relationship that works i'm not saying that's going to happen i'm just saying if it if if it worked that might be a reason they actually found a a a perfect situation for him to mentor and and uh and help to improve a young player now that said one of the big advantages of evan bouchard for the next two years is he's on the elc and he's not getting paid but to overpay his partner kind of defeats the advantage so would you have larson with nurse in this scenario or bear with Uh, nurse uh, probably Bear with Nurse and uh, and uh, Larson on the sort of defensive shutdown uh, pairing. Shutdown pairing, yeah. Could have yeah. to bring in so, another player. What about well, Keith and Larson? They're find left defensemen, don't they? Yeah. What about well, it's, Keith it's and Larson? It's possible. It's certainly possible. I mean, uh, I mean, that's, Keith is certainly a, a veteran player that's seen a lot of different scenarios. He played with uh, Brent Seabrook for a lot of years, and uh, uh, they're they're. Uh, Larson and Seabrook aren't identical twins, but they do have things in common in terms of their style of play. Uh, it's, uh, I guess my bigger concern in all this is does Ken Holland overvalue Duncan Keith and sort of, oh boy, oh boy, we can get, you know, this legacy player out of Chicago and the guy's 38 years old. And, and Oilers, I mean, 
this is a case where he has to be patient. Chicago is kind of painted into a corner. The guy's asked for a move, and he's given them a very limited set of destinations. Why should uh, why should Edmonton be falling over sideways, trying to trying to bring him on when they can uh, maybe get the pot sweetened a little bit by uh, by holding firm? And certainly, I hope that's what Ken Holland's doing. And uh, but what I can tell you for sure is Ken Holland has a long long history of bringing on very veteran defensemen, typically at the trade deadline, which would make this one different. But here's a list of guys he traded for over the years. Jamie McCowan, when he was 36 years old. Dmitry Mironov, 32. Chris Chelios, 37. That worked out. Alf Samuelson, 35. Todd Gill, 34. Yuri Slager, 30. Matthew Schneider, 33. Corey Cross, 35. Brad Stewart, who was 28 at the time of the trade, but had already played almost 600 games in the league and, and a, a you know deep veteran. Merrick Zidlicki, 38. That's Duncan Keith's age now. Mike Green, 34. Dmitry Kulikov, 30. He loves loves veteran defensemen. And uh, he mean, there's lots of reasons he's going to love Duncan Keith. Yeah. But does he overvalue him? Does he overvalue him or does everybody else undervalue them? I mean, has this worked out? Has the strategy worked out? I guess it works out sometimes and not other times. It worked out with Chelios uh, eventually, even though it was three years after the deadline trade before they actually won a cup. Chelios was he That's beat, working out. He beat a, quite a few odds. Worked out with Brad Stewart. They won the cup the year they got Brad Stewart, 28 years old, not 38 years old. And they uh, otherwise, I mean, Rafalski, they Mike, got did they Mike, hit him? Mike Green, yeah. Where's Rafalski? That must. They signed him as a free agent, maybe? Yeah. Because he's not yeah. on my trade. He, I, I, this oh, guy is what Holland traded for. Yeah, you're right. Because Rafalski certainly was a, was a great pickup by Detroit as a, as a uh, must have been as a free agent. So I went through the trade list with a fine tooth comb. Look at all these old defensemen. My goodness. <laughs> so here's the reaction in Edmonton. I did a poll, Bruce. Uh-huh. Uh, 2,400 votes. So that's a lot of people voting. Oh. Uh, should the Oilers try to trade for Duncan Keith? So this isn't even anything to try to trade for him. It doesn't say for what or how much. Yes, 29%. No, 71%. Now, strangely, Bruce, this might work to the Oilers' advantage. Like, let's say Ken Holland does have a tendency to overvalue these players. But so mm-hmm. let's say this one theory is Chicago leaks this rumor. They want to put the, you know, they're, you know, it comes out of Chicago. That there was heat being put on the Oilers to make a deal. Ken mm-hmm. Holland's working away and he's thinking, oh, well, we'll, we'll just, we'll, we'll trade Kyle Turris for this guy and that'll okay. be the deal. Yeah. But then there's this massive negative reaction in Edmonton. So, which might give him pause, but it also takes the pressure off him. Like he, he, he now has, if he doesn't proceed here, it's not a, in politically at least, and that matters, mm-hmm. right? It does. It matters. Politically, there's no heat on him. He does what the vast majority, and many people feel fiercely strongly about this, that they shouldn't make mm-hmm. this deal. So I think this is actually in Ken Holland's, it, it helps them to take, it gives, might give a pause to see this fan reaction and reevaluate things. And, you know, it seemed like, so uh, from, from reading or from he- hearing Bob, like, you know, Bob was, Stoffer was making it clear, like the orders aren't going to be trading James Neal's contract. Right. Or for this player. And it's going to be much less than he was skeptical of at first yesterday about whether they were going to have to Chicago was going to have to retain salary or not. And Friedman seen said that was being negotiated right now. So I, listen, I just so. I hope there's a pause here. 
Uh, again, I, I don't, I'm not sure of his value, but there are some red flags. That's, it would be surprising if his value is more than $3 million a year right now. To me, that would be surprising. And I, that would be the kind of, to me, the upper end. So it looks like Chicago should probably, re- like if Chicago, if there was a trade tomorrow and Chicago was retaining, retaining half the contract, I'd be, I'd be okay with that. You know, I, I don't know enough about the player to be, to be sure, but that's, that's, that sounds within the ballpark. If Chicago was even to retain 40%, um, I'd probably be okay with it. Like, you know, I'm, a, I'm an Oilers fan. So I want the Oilers to gouge every team as much as possible on every deal. Um, but I would think that's that's within the realm of reasonable. They have more information than I do. You know, uh, um, I'm not inclined at this point to give them the benefit of the doubt, but uh, in terms of player acquisitions, but, you know, I'm, I, I try to cool my jets on that as well and, and to, to be patient. Um, so if it was like that, but if it's like, if they trade him for Cal Turris and 10% retained or even 25% retained, I don't, I don't think that's a good deal oh. on the face of it. And I hope that they, they grind Chicago and they say, do it. Yeah. You know, okay. We're, we're out. Do it. Yeah. If you, if you want to come back to us, our offer mm-hmm. is we'll take them. You retain half. That's the, that's our, that's our bottom line. You send us Dylan Strom. Yeah. Dylan Strom, interestingly, Bruce, <laughs> Didn't have a very good scoring year last year either. His points oh, per more. 60 at even strength was abysmal. It was down in, you know, he's third, third, fourth line production level of even strength production. So he, and he earns 3 million. So the yeah. price for Dylan Strom should not be high. Uh, for the amount of money he made, he did not have league average scoring at even strength um, mm-hmm. last year. He's He's been coming. He had a good year first year in Chicago and he's been coming down ever since then. His yeah. value should be low. But I'm... Uh, Everyone's excited about him because he's Connor McDavid's friend and mm. uh, from Erie. And he has scored well in the past. He's still 24 years old, 25 years old, whatever he is. So, yeah, maybe that's the deal, Bruce. You take on Strom. Like, you you clear out the cap space for them on a player who didn't provide good value for them last year. And you take on Duncan Keith at half price. Mm-hmm. And and do you give up Caleb Jones? Now, this is this is the rub for a lot of people. I'm... Yeah, well. It's and it's a bit of a rub for me. Like Jonathan Willis was talking about how um, players, lots of people have talked about this. Players, their careers don't advance steadily. Sometimes they take a step back. That's what I saw with Dylan, with Caleb Jones myself last year was a definite step back. But doesn't mean he can't rebound. I thought he was gonna. I thought he has the potential to be a top four demon in the NHL. Why? That's where he was trending. That's what I saw. I don't think that that's out the window at this point. There's people who are less excited about Jones than me, but nope. but if it was Dylan Strom and Duncan Keith for Caleb Jones and half retention on Keith, I wouldn't scream if that deal was made, Bruce. I I I would wonder about it, but I I would I wouldn't scream about it. What about you? Well, that would open up a lot of cap space for Chicago, and the rumor is that Chicago wants to go after Seth Jones and that they need cap space to do that first and foremost, but having his brother on the team wouldn't hurt them either. But this idea that Chicago's going to, you know, dump contracts onto Edmonton and get Cale Jones and, oh, yeah, a couple of draft picks maybe. You know, I mean, some people are dreaming in Technicolor about uh, what the value is of, uh, of Duncan Keith. I mean, why would Edmonton do that for Chicago? You know, let's make cap space so Chicago can sign Seth Jones. Sure, that sounds like a plan. 
Do you think <laughs> Chicago should throw in it? Like if they were to trade for Caleb Jones, should Chicago throw in a pick or two? Because listen, Dylan Strom to me is a, is a bit of a salary dump. Like he he's he's a coin flip whether he's going to earn three million dollars next year, be of that value. He's got he didn't last year, based on his scoring. I mean, he's a forward. He's there to score. He didn't score at even strength. And um, now he might, you know, I'm hoping the Nugent Hopkins bounce back, will bounce back. I'm hoping, you know, if the Oilers got Dylan Stroh, might think the same thing. And he's more of a one-shot shooter than than the Oilers. You know, he he is that. That's my memory of Dylan Strom. He can shoot, he can shoot that puck. So he mm-hmm. might be a good fit with Connor McDavid on that top line. Um, that's a real possibility. So, but would you well, think they'd have to get a pick as well? Oh. Chicago have to give up a pick. Well, yeah, I'm looking at more Chicago should be throwing to pick Edmonton's way if yeah. Edmonton's taking that contract off their hands. And Chicago has this year uh, first rounder, two in the second round, uh, none in the third round, two in the fourth round. And, of course, Edmonton's got uh, a pick in the first round. And then on Saturday, I think they, their first pick is scheduled for 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It's just like this big, long drought on uh, on Saturday. they got hardly any picks. I think they have one pick. Um uh, well, two picks in the first five rounds, so two out of the first 160. So Edmonton clearly is in the market to add a draft pick or two and, and uh, uh, every right to ask for one in any kind of deal involving taking a salary off of any other team. I mean, if I, it's up to me. If I want to trade for a $5 million player off another team, sure, I'm good with that. But the player I want is uh, Yanni Gord. Yeah. Because Tampa's got to get rid of salary. To make space for, you know, next year, presumably Kucherov will actually be back in the living persons list during the regular season, and they'll have to make room for him. So they're going to have to move on from a player or two. Maybe it's Alex Kalorn. Hey, great, I'll take Alex Kalorn. Pay him full price, no problem. Duncan Keith, 38 years old, still being paid like he was 28 years old? No. That's it, right? Like, they gave him that contract. <laughs> These are the these are the years they were just going to have to eat the contract, and mm-hmm. they, it's exactly. this this long term deal worked out super well for them. Absolutely. Listen, it, I, I I'm really on. It's it, there's enough red there are enough red flags, age and point production being the main main ones for me. Like you got to grind this. You have got to hold. Yeah. You got to you're going to have to say no to Chicago and have them come back to you. You're going to have to refuse them. This is one where you say no. And you back away. Come circle back to me, Chicago, when you can't move them to Seattle. Right. It should be the Oilers' stance at this point, just to get the deal down, mm-hmm. um, to get full advantage. Because I think Chicago might have to move this player, and I don't know that. I'm just guessing. But a player of this statue makes it clear he wants out. I think you get him out. And if they can get him out, retaining you know half retention, that's a small price to pay for what they got out of Duncan Keith all those years. And they should be happy that that's it. That's that's as that's as little as the penalty is uh, at this point. So I'm not, yeah, I'm 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 in the grind grind them grind them grind them camp uh, on this deal. Yeah, well, they started paying him in 2010, Keith, and this was after he'd already had a couple of big scoring seasons, 69 points in in his platform season, and a cup. So they're paying him off of that, and that's why they wanted to go long term was to lower the cap hit because they would have had to pay him seven and a half or eight million dollar cap yeah, hit for it's a their new seven year contract. Right? Yeah. yeah, but before the NHL cracked down on the long long term contracts, uh, and since then he had forty five. This is points forty five, forty, twenty seven during the lockout year, which is equates to close to fifty. 
61, 45, 43, 53, 32, 40. That's up to two years ago. Then last year he fell off to 27, this year to 15. And granted, both those seasons are a little bit short, but not that short that the scoring should plummet to such a degree as that, right? Like he went from a scoring a point every second game to now he's getting one every third or fourth game. Yeah, he's a he's a third line puck mover at this point. He's nothing special. He 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 just isn't. And he he was on their top power play unit and he didn't perform there. So that's that's not in Duncan Keith's repertoire anymore. And last year he played 23-25 a game. Like he is a huge workhorse minute muncher. He's a fantastic fitness freak apparently. Like he's never played in his entire career from 2005 to 21. Just 16 years in the NHL, he's never played less than 23 minutes a night from a rookie right on through. Like, he's always been that guy. But, you know, that peak was a long time ago. So, he's, uh, I mean, I love the player, what he was. I just don't see the value remaining in the, you know, like, they've got all, the maximum use out of that contract to dump it at this point. If they don't have to include a sweetener, it's a huge win for Chicago. Yeah, I hear you. So we're kind of on the same page. Grind it out. Mm-hmm. I'm a little. I, I I think if they get him, it might work out. Like I'm, I'm always hopeful about that. And I don't Evan know. Bouchard. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, it's Adam. Like I don't know. If, like unless you're going to put out Larson and Nurse, which I think they should try I as might. their top pairing. Mm-hmm. Um, if Larson comes back, which is now, it's interesting. I eh? like the. The second the Larson contracts, you start to hear iffy things about it. Then you start to hear, oh, Tyson Berry might come back. You know, like it's mm-hmm. it's interesting how they're kind of maybe playing them a little bit against against each other. I'm not exactly sure if that's going on, but uh, I'm in the camp that would much rather see Adam Larson come back on a th- four-year deal than than Tyson Berry on a four-year deal. And um, that has been. Uh, that that thought has grown during the playoffs. I mean, we do see defensemen like Adam Larson doing well in the playoffs. Um, as long as they don't change the rules again, which they might. Mm-hmm. But if they keep these rules, you're going to need guys like Adam Larson, definitely. Now, if they open things wide open, then uh, you might be looking at Tyson Berry as the better bet. But what are the chances that's going to happen? Bruce, England is soon to play against yeah. um, Ukraine. Yeah. So that's the short man. That's, yeah. That's yeah, I think the game is actually already underway. So that's good. Uh, a little, little bit of catching up to do. But uh, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, hand, handle with extreme care. And I think this is a major litmus test of Ken Holland, frankly. That, you know, he's he's got to, to uh, negotiate hard with Stan Bowman and he's got to come up with. Uh, uh, a deal for Edmonton that's more than a 38-year-old defenseman with a big salary, you know, even if some of it's bought down, he needs to get more more than that. Would so. you be okay if they retain half? Would that be enough for you? Let's say Chicago retains half, the Oilers get Duncan Keith for... Um, huh. A seventh rounder in 2029? No, like a minor league player they no longer want, like oh, the okay. Oilers no longer. Like, yeah, okay. Same, McPhee. same difference. Uh, I'm uh, great, yeah. McPhee. Like, yeah. I don't even know, like someone on their 50-man list that they don't want. Mm-hmm. Let's say it's Cooper Marodi. They don't seem to want him anymore for some reason. Anyway, let's let's not deal with Let's say someone they don't want on their 50-man roster that they've written off already. 
And mm-hmm. the Chicago retains half. Thumbs up or thumbs down from Bruce McCurdy? Half retained? Half retained. Uh, I like the player. I don't think I still like the contract. 2.7, that's that's rich. But, you know, I mean, he did play 23 minutes a night, but he also played on a team that wasn't very successful. So, Thumbs down, then? Uh, yes. Thumbs down. If they did that, I would... I would it, it, it would seem credit at least it would seem reasonable like it's within the realm of reasonable and as much as i know about the player mm-hmm. uh, it, it's hard for me to give any opinion because of that like honestly thumbs up or thumbs down if i had a better take on keith i'd have i i could say so i can i i, I like I, I like to have a just like thumbs up or thumbs down myself i just i'm not prepared to do that unless i saw this player that's my position on all these trades i'm not going to weigh in on players i don't know enough about right. i've been there done that got the jamie yeah. alexiak t-shirt I'm mm-hmm. through with that, Bruce. So. Well, yeah. I mean, we we I mean, we all know what. It's not like we haven't seen Duncan Keith. We all know how great he was six or eight years ago. But you need current information. This is where the Oilers and their and their and their pro scouts and their analysts and their video watchers and that got to be all on top of it, right? It can't be Griffin Reinhardt. Well, we liked him when he was in junior, and oh yeah, nobody watched him play last year in the AHL kind of deal. You got to say no. We watched him right up to his most recent game and we still think he's got game and here's you know you got you you, you, you got to make a strong case uh, well he's Duncan Keith and he's got three Stanley Cup rings you know last one of those was six years ago man yeah and Griffin Reinhardt was a was a different group of people yeah. if they had watched Griffin Reinhardt in the AHL uh, that season I wonder what they would have seen Bruce he he was with a group of let me just see here. Adam Pellick, Ryan Pulock, Scott Mayfield, Griffin Reinhardt were all on that team. And the first three I named are all current regular full time New York Islanders, very successful. And Griffin Reinhardt is in Europe. Somewhere in Europe. Yeah, they had a twenty year old Adam Pellick, a nineteen year old mm-hmm. Ryan Pulock, and a twenty year old Griffin Reinhardt. And if they had seen and they had a twenty one year old Scott Mayfield. Right. If uh, who played 69 games, if they had see, if they had someone watched uh, like done the proper due diligence watching that team, they might have thought hey, Ryan Pulak is the actually like that the trade. Yeah, yeah, he's or Adam Pellock. I see something in that mm-hmm. Pellock kid, mm-hmm. um, and they might have held off on Griffin Reinhardt. And it, it does sound like they were just anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Griffin Reinhardt played the most recent season with the Iserlohn Roosters of the Deutsche Elite League, I think, DEL. Iserlohn Roosters. So, didn't end well. (laughs) Alrighty. Bruce, thanks for talking today. Yeah, all right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.